This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohinen! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. Now you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. Michael Modden is off this week. He is. He, it's a bit like when you, you know, when you used to click uh, Manager Holiday on Championship Manager 97, 98, and you just like, just watch it play on without you. Sometimes it comes back and you've accepted a new job. <laughs> he's going to come back and find that he's producing the Football Ramble. <laughs> Uh, hopefully he saved a game somewhere. That, uh, You've got to save the game and then you... Just don't write over it. Don't write over it. Anyway, hello. Yes. Um, thank you for all the amazing messages about the uh, Gary Neville uh, episode. Um, it's been in top story in the Daily Mail Sport. It's also, yeah. in the last few hours, gone top story in the Daily Mirror. Was well. it? Yeah, yeah. What did yeah. it say? Um, uh, about World's the- best podcast recorded. <laughs> Podcasts are over as best podcast ever is revealed. Everyone else stops. <laughs> Headline was stop all the clocks. <laughs> uh, it was about Peter Schmeichel bullying uh, a young Gary Neville. Oh, right. Yeah. Which he's talked about before. I mean, but let's not undo our scar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, slow news day at the mirror. It's not like the country isn't falling apart. Now... <laughs> What a timely guest we've got this week for the Brexit crisis. Yes, Alistair Campbell. Um, do you know when we, we recorded this about six weeks ago? And um, I remember him saying afterwards, he was like, I don't think, I think Brexit can be stopped. And I remember thinking, yeah, good luck with that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and yet- yeah. Six weeks on, somehow I think he might be like, the momentum might be with him. Not that we, we don't attach ourselves to any political message on this, except... Um, you know, we quite like Neville Southall. <laughs> this is a midnight. We're insulated by the nineties, so I, I'm going to say big fan of John Major <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Blair and Paddy Ashdown. <laughs> um, so, uh, should we get on with some correspondence? Yes. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Right now, we've had a lot, and by a lot, I mean ball boy standards 
of uh, texts about footballers that have swallowed their tongue, right? Uh, but we're not going to go into them this week uh, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to collate them all together and then read them out uh, at the same time under the casualty theme tune. But <laughs> Look forward to that. But I haven't had time to do that this week. So instead, would you like a Do I Remember This Right from Alexander Stubbings? Come on then. Uh, Stebbings, sorry. Would you like a Do I Remember This Right from Alexander Stebbings? Yes, please. Um... Can I just say, also, we've got so much correspondence, I am working my way back through it, so there is a bit of a backlog. Uh, so, if you haven't been picked yet, there's every chance you still will be. Hello, lads. I was watching some classic episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire recently on Challenge. What? A, what, what, a, what an evening, that is. <laughs> some as well. <laughs> Imagine watching one and not having your kind of appetite satiated for... <laughs> And it prompted a memory I have of Alex Ferguson appearing in a special charity edition of the show around the turn of the millennium. So far, got anything on this, Chris? No? Um, no. Didn't if they it, used to do it with partners? Didn't they partner yes. up? Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know who he went with. Brian Kidd. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, Fergie was going along nicely up until the £32,000 mark, but was then stumped on a question regarding the 70s BBC sitcom The Good Life. <laughs> After some deliberation, he was left with no choice but to call Brian McClare. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> he did it good. Brian McClare, famously intelligent footballer. Like, he? Yeah. He was, he was one of those footballers that had a degree. He was, like, famously intelligent. <laughs> one of the five footballers with a degree. You know, like, it was him and Pat Nevin. Um... I have no recollection of what happened after that. I'm presuming the producer of the show allowed more and more time to be added on until he eventually got the answer. Keep up the good work, Alex. Wow. I'd love to know if that's true. <laughs> also, do you, do you supply a list of uh, yeah. people to call? So, like, would it have been Brian McClare? five, and then they're like... Because I don't think they call them on the off chance. They're always there, aren't they? <laughs> do you think there's a chance that he selected Brian McClare because he was always going on about the good life? <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was a cultural high watermark. You've got to have someone for geography, someone for history, <laughs> someone for 1970 sitcoms. So I'll have Chucky McClare for that one. <laughs> uh, so if anyone's got anything on that, we'd love to know. Yeah, uh, nice how, or if we've got a clip of Alex Ferguson. I mean, I'd happily see uh, all his pathway through with which questions he got right and wrong and know who his partner was as well. Has a, has a 90s footballer ever been a phone a friend? Outside of Brian McClellan. Oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know if they would have done. Or other 90s footballers that ended up on that. Now, we've discussed a lot uh, my Eddie McGoldrick song. Yes. Uh, Eddie McGoldrick, which is in my head as a thing I say whenever I hear Eddie McGoldrick. And we thought that was the end of the Eddie McGoldrick stuff. However... Other people have got Eddie McGoldrick songs, right? This is so weird. Really? He's not a big footballer, Eddie McGoldrick. I bring you an email from Mom Bison. I've just finished listening to the worst Arsenal eleven. Subject of having Eddie McGoldrick-related songs, and I thought I would add one of my own. I used to hang around with a guy who was a fan of Arsenal called Rob, and every time Eddie McGoldrick was mentioned, he used to sing Dexy's Midnight Runner song, Come On Eileen. <laughs> After the beginning instrumental end and Kevin Rowland quickly sings the Oh Come On Eileen part, Rob would change it to Eddie McGoldrick. How does, I'm trying to do that in my head. How does the Eddie mechanics... McGoldrick. No, that can't be right, can it? Uh, oh, hang on, I think I've got it. Eddie, Eddie McGoldrick. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie McGoldrick. McGoldrick. Yeah, fine. Then we got one from Mark... Graham, right? Following on from last week's Eddie McGoldrick segment, I was amazed when Josh revealed he sang something to McGoldrick's name. 
uh, because I have my very own Eddie McColdick song. <laughs> Um, to the tune of Let's all, up, all Go Down the Strand. Instead of saying Have a Banana, I sing, Oh, Eddie McGoldrick. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. It's better. better. It is better. better. For what is it about Eddie McGoldrick's name? There's something about the syllables and, and the, the, rhythm, of the rhythm of it. Eddie McGoldrick. It yeah. must be da 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 Yeah. It's fantastic. Tell you what, we've got an email address that can accept audio files. <laughs> if you've got any more songs but, based around the. Uh, Name Eddie McGoldrick. Don't don't send them to us in words. Record yourself singing Eddie McGoldrick to a song and email them to hello at quicklykevin.com yeah. and we will play out our best our best Eddie McGoldrick's jingles. Do you want one more? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is from uh, John Wells. Okay, this is called Meeting 90s Footballers. Latisse stroke James Beattie stroke John Beresford. Um, this story... Uh, Right. Whilst at uni in Southampton in 1998 and living in the Polygon next to the Dell, we took our usual Monday night trip to the local nightclub. The place was empty, except for a group of men at the bar. Latisse was there with John Beresford, David Hurst and James Beatty. <laughs> what a gang. What a gang. I'd love to hang out with that gang. Is John Beresford even anything to do with Southampton? Feels like he may be. Yeah. Do you think footballers from different teams socialise? Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. But what, at what point is Latisse and John Beresford making friends? Like when they're marking at a corner. <laughs> In the drink, having a drink after a game. And they Just really get on get famously. On. They got on famously. Do you know what? Next time you're in Southampton, we should go for a drink at the Polygon. I mean, that's, this is a good one for uh, Hello at Quickly Kevin. Unlikely footballing friendships. Yeah. Doesn't D- Dale Winton and uh, Graham Souness meant to be big, were big pals? Yes, they were. They were, because I read Dale Winton's autobiography, um, and he is a big pal of Graham Souness. They went on holiday together. And I'm sure we've discussed this before, but why not again? When there was a fake ITV show in which Dale Winton got married to Nell McAndrew. Do you yeah. remember that? And I thought that's what the Graham Souness friendship was born well, his out. best man was Graham Souness in that. I don't know why he's better, but I think because his best man genuinely would have been but, Graham Sooner. But that was a genuine friendship. I thought that was part of the... No, no, it was a genuine friendship. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to believe. <laughs> Obviously, Latisse was drinking Malibu and Coke and was happy to chat, informing us that he'd just got back from 48 hours in Australia where he'd nipped over to see Emily Simmons, open brackets, Marilyn from Home and Away, close brackets. <laughs> However, it was an injured John Brevesford who provided the most entertainment. Whilst in the box, he decided to deliver marriage advice to me. <laughs> Pulling all the loose change out of his pocket, splitting it into two, and informing me, informing me that women will take half on divorce. And when you marry again, the next one will take half of what's left. With ten and five p pieces spilling onto the toilet floor, I return to the bar. <laughs> a practical demonstration of divorce. That is bizarre. Using. That John Beresford would take you in the... T- I don't know if John Beresford is twice divorced. <laughs> I mean, from that anecdote, I don't think he's just he's just riffing <laughs> on the implications <laughs> of divorce. I think that's a personal story. Given I ultimately got divorced myself, I rue the day I ignored Bessie's best advice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do love that. Um, so, um, if you have got any uh, other footballers that have advised you on how to go through a divorce financially, hello at quicklykevin.com. Uh, yeah, and I think we'd also lo- like you to sing it, send audio files of your Eddie McGoldrick songs and unlikely football friendships. Here's how to get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, we've had footballers, we've had comedians, we've had people that work in the football media. This week, we're very excited to bring you something slightly different. Alistair Campbell, a a huge Burnley fan who discusses an awful decade for Burnley, but B, a man who was at the centre of New Labour and politics in the 90s and tells a lot of good anecdotes about what it was like to be A, a football fan in that situation and B, controlling situations like when Tony Blair did a load of headers with Kevin Keegan. (laughs) That's what you're here for. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Alistair Campbell. To live in the UK in the 90s was to ride the wave of cool Britannia as a newfound sense of pride and optimism swept across the nation. The soundtrack was Blur, Oasis and Three Lions. The football was King Kev at Newcastle, Euro 96 and a dominant United. The politics were new Labour. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin Willie Score, writer, broadcaster, former Downing Street press secretary, but most importantly, Burnley fan, Alistair Campbell. Thank you. That, do you think that's a fair uh, description? Yeah, that was good. That sort of felt, you know, rather better than today feels. <laughs> do you want to say what you said to test your mic? Uh, can, I, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah, I basically said Brexit is shit, Brexit is shit, Brexit is shit. <laughs> well, we're going to take you back to the 90s you now. Said we're not going to talk about Brexit. No, no I know, I know, but then I thought, Brexit. you know. We're, we're firing up the DeLorean and going back to the 90s. Okay. No, Brexit means nothing now. Um, just to settle all you- about whether we join the Euro. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to settle you in with a little football analogy of your Labour government. So I reckon Tony Blair's the midfield captain. You're probably the manager. We've got Gordon Brown, John Prescott, centre backs. No nonsense. Prescott picking up the odd booking. Mandelson, you tricky winger. You can beat a man. Very difficult to play against. You're up against Tory FC, probably the United of today. Maybe the Liverpool team '92. Is that a fair analogy so far? Is there anything you'd, you'd extend I think, it? I think I'd have Tony up front. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think I'd have I think I'd have me and Gordon in, Mon- in midfield. Tony's nickname for me was Kino. <laughs> What's it? Yeah, because I was box to box and a bit psycho. Uh, so I think yeah, uh, Peter. Yeah, Peter would be. I was wondering where Peter was going to go. He'd be sort of. I'm trying to think of somebody. You know, bit of an ankle tapper. Football like Robbie Savage, like he, Niggly. No, he wouldn't know. be. He wouldn't be Robbie Savage. He'd be. He'd be much, much more subtle than that. <laughs> he wouldn't quite notice what was going on. Is Mandelson doing the running? Is he getting the ball back, or is uh, he a bit of a flair player? He's not. He's not. When he loses it, he's not going to. I think. I think he might. Peter might be the guy who's kind of would prefer to be on the touchline, telling people what to do, rather than running around getting too dirty. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, Prescott. Prescott was a goalkeeper when he played. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think he played goal. I can't, he did, but John, John's really funny because he doesn't really like football that much. Mm. He's, he's on the board at uh, one of the rugby, whole rugby league teams. So we'll take. We will come to uh, New Labour Nights. We should talk about Burnley first. Yeah, of course. Now, what we do with every uh, guest that we have who's yeah. related to a club, just a quick quiz to start you off. Oh, no. Can you name your sponsors? Throughout the nineties, the name on the shirt. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, Ensley. Yep, yeah. There you go. Eight P three. Correct. Correct. We clean sweep. Clean oh, sweep. Good. Just the two. <laughs> Was it just two? Yeah. Just the two. Ensley and P three. I don't even. What know P3. is P three? Is it computers? 
Yeah, it must be. Yeah, and it's insurance, student insurance. Yeah. Did you, um, so you are a Burnley fan, you're famously a Burnley fan, but from what we can tell, you were born in Yorkshire. Yeah. Why Burnley? Well, I was born in Keithley, which is only about 19 miles away. Right. Um, and I think, sort of, if you look at the map there, you've got Bradford. Yeah. Then a bit further away, you've got Leeds, you've got Halifax, you've got Huddersfield, and you've got Burnley. And so when I was four, when I first saw them, we were reigning league champions. Right. So I'm not saying that's what I went fell yeah, for yeah, them, yeah. but, you know, they were a big club. It was probably Tottenham United and Burnley were the three big clubs then. Yeah. Um, I love the colours. I really love the colours. I always got thought nice Leeds were really they? boring. All white is so boring. <laughs> right, so that was... Uh, uh, the only one other one I, that I was a little bit tempted by was uh, was probably Bradford, and it's it's strange now because, um, as you say, I'm from Keithley, got no family there. Yeah, we moved away. My, both my parents were Scots, um, no family. Uh, I've not, I've got no connections in Burnley apart from the football club and the friends that that's given me. Got yeah, no family connections there at all, and yet it you know we're going around the place. Most people think I'm from Burnley, and I'm not. <laughs> Um, it's, it's I presumed you were from Burnley. Yeah. Until today, I presumed you were from there Burnley. You go. No, not at all. Uh, until Matt Ford told us that you supported Scotland, I presumed uh... big time. Yeah, yeah. But you were born in England. But how did you, why did you identify as, as Scottish? Through my parents. Identify yeah. as Scottish. <laughs> no, it's it's through my parents because um, uh, they weren't nationalists at all, but they were very Scottish. My dad played the bagpipes. He taught me the bagpipes. I played the bagpipes. Um, and the thing about football, I loved Scottish football. We used to go every summer to Scotland. Mm. So we're always there for the start of the season. And I used to go and watch Kilmarnock, because my mum's brother had a farm there, and I, we used to stay there. I used to go and watch Party Thistle, because my dad was a Party Thistle fan. And I'd say the first, my first massive sense of a huge football occasion was Celtic winning the European Cup yeah. in Lisbon when I was 10. Yeah. Um, and 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 I, I love. Do you know what ESPN showed the whole game a couple of years ago? It yeah. was one of the most amazing football. Did you watch the whole ever. thing? I watched the whole thing. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So I've always liked Celtic. Yeah. I've always liked Kilmarnock. I've always got a soft spot for Party Thistle. <laughs> and that's why you've the, got a lot of teams. No, I've only thin. got one team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only got one team, yeah. but I do. So I've always liked Scottish football. Yeah. And I've and so I followed Scotland to the World Cup when in the days when they went to them. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know now maybe with ninety eight teams you know yeah, quite far yeah, from the World yeah. Cup maybe they'll get in again yeah and I've, I've I've just loved Scottish football and funny enough my sons have inherited that they're both Scotland fans really yeah did you go to France ninety eight when yeah. you so did yeah. you take time off from your job no I don't, I don't even remember you haven't read my diaries have you Josh I haven't read your diaries what no. you haven't read my well. diaries you bastard. <laughs> We went there to, and we visited the Scotland squad. Did uh, you? Yeah, with what, Tony. Yeah. With Tony? Yeah. Oh, because he's got Scottish connections as well. He's, he's kind of... Uh, and the other thing, I'm glad you haven't... You, you, if you haven't read my diaries, you won't know the story about Euro 96, will you? No. That's good. We'll come <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not from Burnley, but do you associate yourself with like the rivalries like Blackburn? So like the mid-90s, Jack Walker comes in. Mm. Were, you, were you envious of the kind of stuff that was happening up the road? No, I... I... Yeah, I was, and and it's, there's a lot of when I did the um, the Sky Saturday morning thing, uh, Soccer Saturday. Yeah, I went on, and the fans were Blackburn. I went on with a Trelleborgs tw- twin town Trelleborgs <laughs> T-shirt. And all that. So I like all that. I, I I wasn't. I didn't think it was a bad thing that Blackburn did well. 
Mm. Uh, I know you, you're sort of meant to hate everything about them, but I didn't think that was a bad thing. I love the fact that at the moment, you know, they've got the venkies and yeah. every time they're on the telly, you just see swathes of empty seats. <laughs> <laughs> I like all that. Um, so I think it's good for the area. I think it's good for the, yeah. for the region if, if, if they're both doing well. So if I was to say what was the worst thing that happened in 1992, Alan Shearer signing for Blackburn or the Conservative Party being re-elected, which would you choose? I'd go for the Tories yeah. in the election. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't mind... T- I, I think if you... I don't, I don't really like this thing of identifying your passion for mm. a team by hatred of, of others. I just don't see the point, really. Well, we will come I, to it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine up to a point. And I, and I love it when there's, like, kind of, you know... I love the the singing and the banter and the yeah. songs that take yeah. I love all that. But sort of, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Know? It doesn't really matter. I also hate the phrase bragging rights. I hate the phrase bragging I rights. I hate that phrase, <laughs> bragging rights. Of the many thousands of cliches that commentators <laughs> yeah. use, that is one that... It's awful, does isn't it? my head in. Awful. You never would ever hear it outside of a local <clears throat> derby. No. <laughs> acres, acres of space, that's another one. <laughs> he, covered, he covered every blade of grass. <laughs> he didn't, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. But there's a great fact here Burnley have one of the best supported clubs in England uh, per head of the population. Cousin Borough. So 20,000 people turn up for Premier League games in a town of 73,000 inhabitants. Yeah. So, that's I mean, amazing. that's a burglar's dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I mean, look, we do have a fan, we do have, like, when I, I go up from London every week, and there's always quite a few Burnley fans on the train. You must have had quite a lot of dealings with the players, obviously. You must get close to Yeah, the I do. I, I've, I've always got close to the man- most of the managers. Really? Yeah. And does that affect your experience of being a fan? No, it enhances it. Does it? Yeah. Do they, do, do they come to you for advice? A little bit, a little bit. No, we talk. We talk yeah. a lot, what so certainly I talk. Sure, I talk to Sean quite a lot. Do you? Yeah, um, and I talked to. Yeah, I know the more. I'm very, very. Uh, what, I'm what still kind of very close to Stan Turner. Mm. Um, I was quite friendly with Owen Coyle until he did a runner. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> uh, Steve Cottrell stayed in touch with Steve Cottrell. Yeah. Eddie Howe talked to Eddie Howe every now and then. Sean, I'd say, Sean and Stan are the two that I'd say I was And what kind of thing did you talk to? to Sean Deitch about? Everything. He, everything. I mean, when we were in Istanbul, we had, uh, I met up with him and we talked about, we talked about everything. Do you ever say, you need to drop this lad, he's rubbish? I regularly, about... I regularly tend to send him my team selections. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I said, why are you picking Bardsley out against the Loud? Just tell me the logic behind it. <laughs> And of course, then when he put Loud back in, I said, and we won. I said, told you, I told you. <laughs> what time are you sending your team selection? Uh, usually on the train up. Yeah. Yeah. And does he reply? Yeah. You'd think he'd be busy on a Saturday morning. <laughs> no, he's not busy on a Saturday morning. Has, no? a, has a team ever been named and you, you've been like, I think I influenced that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. I think the thing I love about... Actually, the thing I love... He, he, he quite phones up, has a chat about politics every now and then, and he says, mm. you know, what's going on with this thing and this, that, and the other? And he always says to me, he says, listen, I don't understand your world. I don't understand politics. Like you're, You kind of think you understand our world, but actually, unless you're at... This is your world. You don't understand it. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know... I, one of the books I wrote, Winners, was about what you can learn from one sector to another. Mm. You know, and and uh, no, he's a very, very, very smart chap. He listened to that on his on his um, in his car driving up and down the motorway. Really? Yeah. Can, can you shed any light on the uh, 
him eating worms rumor that I was doing with. It's not true. It's, it's not. It can't be true. No, Kate. it's not true. <laughs> He's got the thing about that Did voice. Did you tell him to go out and deny it? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that voice, though. Yeah. That is his voice. <laughs> Has it always been his voice? I imagine he, sh- he shattered his vocal cords on yeah, shouting on the pitch. That's his something. voice. That's his voice. Does wow. he smoke? No. Wow. No, that's his voice. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, no, we talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, we do talk about, he'll talk about, you know, he does tell me stuff that, you know, I wouldn't repeat. Yeah. About, he gets, you know, if he's getting frustrated about something. And, and I think he knows as well that, you know, I, I can... I can talk. I talk to him and Darren, the press guy. If there's kind of mm. difficult stuff going yeah. in the press, we can talk about it and say, "Why do you do this? What do you think of that?" Um, and you know, he knows that I know the board, and yeah, he just—he's a very, very smart guy, Sean. I think. Yeah. He's, I think. I think because he looks like he does and he sounds like he does, people just think he's a big, rough, tough, rough, tough guy. Yeah, he's yeah, very, yeah. very, very smart. Yeah. Mm. Do you think if he didn't have a ginger goatee, he'd be considered more? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I genuinely think he looks. He doesn't look as well, good as he well, is as a manager. No, if you I'll know tell you something really interesting. Right? So the manager, the two Have you longest... ever said to him, "You need to restart. no," because I think the thing, great thing about him, I think he's totally authentic. Yeah. So I think he's just... and also you don't want to lose him to a bigger team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just stay looking like that. <laughs> I mean, Arsenal are never going to hire a manager with a beard ever. They've tested it with focus groups. It's not going to happen. But if you think about it, Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche are now the two longest-serving managers in the Premier League. Yeah. Right? By about a few days, because Eddie was at Burnley. Yeah. And went back to Bournemouth, and th- and then Sean. So, every time that there's a kind of big job going, the only English manager who gets mentioned is Eddie Howe. Yeah. And yet, Sean, they went to the same club. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean, you know, I'm not saying Eddie was a no, terrible no, no. manager. He wasn't. He was good. But he didn't get Burnley into the Premier League. He didn't get Burnley into Europe. Yeah. And Sean Dutch has, but he doesn't get mentioned. And the two longest-serving managers of the Premier League. By the League. way, the other cliche I hate is linked with. <laughs> oh, linked this with. This is oh. a man who worked in the tabloids for years. This <laughs> really getting it off his chest. And the two longest-serving managers in the Premier League, both very close proximity to you. Do you put that down to... Oh, it's not all you? down to me. I mean, <laughs> you know, self-evidently, some of it is, but uh, not, no, not all of it. As a tangential question that I've always wanted to know... Um, how into politics generally are footballers? Do they discuss it much? And B, if football, all the footballers you know, yeah. if, they're, if they're, they were the only people who voted in the general election, how do you think the general election would go? That's a good question. I'd say probably Tory because of tax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though, actually, that is... So they think that Tories are good yeah. for tax, right? I think there's a bit of that. Uh, a lot of the working-class guys... Which most footballers, mm. maybe less so now, but certainly yeah. historically, I think there's a lot of very, very passionate Labour people I'd say in football. Yeah, um, I'm who are the big th- passionate Labour support? Well, I'm trying to think. Well, Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, uh, yeah. who's very, you know, got a real yeah. understanding of politics and appreciation of politics. Um, Brian Clough was a bit too. Brian Clough, mega Labour, mega yeah. Labour, and very, very, very smart. Neville Southall. He's amazing at the moment on yeah. Twitter, isn't he? He's, yeah. sort of, he's, he's right out there. Look, a lot of them, I think, are interested yeah. in politics because they're interested in leadership. Yeah. They're interested in crisis. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, funny enough, I did a, a thing at Cheltenham Book Festival a few years ago with Patrick Keelty. Yeah. And it was this, the, the idea of the interview was you give him your phone and you give him your passcode oh my God. and he can look at your numbers. So he's just yeah. going through your address book. 
So it goes through your dress book. Anyway, and I have got some pretty good. I bet you've got some. <laughs> I've got some really good things. What's the best numbers on there? Have you got George Bush? No, I've got no, no, not his own mobile. No, no, but I know how to get him. <laughs> uh, but no, but I suppose. I suppose Tony. Tony. Yeah, Tony. I, I thought you were going to go Sean Dyche. I've got Sean. Yeah, I've got Sean. Ian Wone. Uh, what are you laughing at Ian Wone for? Ian Wone's a ledge. Tony Blair, Sean Dyche, Ian Wone. The big uh, three. Alex. Um, yeah. Big Sam. Anyway, Patrick Kielty was going through my phone and he suddenly goes, you've got way more football managers than politicians. And it's mm. true, I have. Yeah. Because when I was in number 10... You didn't have a phone, but you, you know, you just phone the switch one and say, get hold of so-and-so. Yeah. So you didn't have the numbers of the politicians. Oh, right, so I've only yeah. got the ones that I've sort of kept in touch yeah, with. Yeah, Whereas yeah. football managers, I've literally got dozens in my phone. Wow. Mm. That's weird. Gareth Southgate. Oh, yeah. If I was talking to Gareth Southgate this morning about something. Wait, really? Yeah. From an England perspective? No. Oh, no. oh not oh, political as career. A as a sleeper for Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have this... He comes to Burnley a lot because he yeah. lives not far. He lives in Harrogate. And we have this... He's, so he's, he's always, we always sit quite near to each other. And and, um, and I've got, we have this running joke that whoever's English in the Burnley team, I'm telling you, I say, why aren't you picking it? And so he, 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 said, he said... Did you get thing. Nick Pope to the World Cup? <laughs> it certainly helped. It certainly helped. So I said to him, he said, he said you know, he just, he, he just said he couldn't, couldn't quite settle on his on his midfield. I said, well, it's obviously you've got to do. You keep get Joe Hart back in goal. You put Nick Pope and Tom Bean in midfield. I mean, <laughs> right, so let's go back to the 90s because there is a couple of things I want to clear up with okay. you. Are Burnley fans aware of the hatred that Plymouth have towards Burnley? I am. <laughs> I am because of... Um, I used to... I know Plymouth quite well because I trained in on West of England newspapers. Oh, right, yeah. So when I was on the Tavistock Times and the Sunday Independent, I mm. used to go to quite a lot of Plymouth games. And yeah. one of my mentors, a guy called Jeff Lakeman, who still lives down there, he's retired yeah. now, but he's like a... He was a, on the Daily Mirror down there. And so... Um, yeah, because we absolutely battered you in the playoffs. Yes, we we finished twelve points above you. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, we, and then you, lost. we were one. Yeah, we were one nil up in the second leg. Yeah, we lost three one. I know, and, it's got, and that actually led to Peter Shilton, his kind of the end of his managerial career. Yeah, how do you sleep at night? Fine, <laughs> absolutely fine. Peter Shilton is a Brexiteer. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. That's on brand. <laughs> so, you know, he deserves everything he gets. Well, casting our mind back to that kind of that, that era, of, uh, you know, 70s, 80s, you've written a book called Saturday, Bloody Saturday, a thriller based in and around the world of football in the 70s. Yeah. Um, Josh and I have both read it. It came across like reading that book that the 70s football was uh, a time I think you greatly admired or there's something about that world that you've created that you, you love. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the funny, it's really strange how the book has happened. Because, so when I was a, a teenager, Paul Fletcher was our strike centre-forward. Um, he then went off and, and, you know, quite rare for a footballer, he went off into business and he ended up being building Stadia. He did the Reebok. Uh, no, he did the Rico. He did the McAlpine. He was part of Wembley. It's yeah. so a big sort of stadium guy. He's got his own stadium development. He's got a, mm. he's got a patent on a particular sort of stadium now. And he then became chief executive of Huddersfield, and then he became chief executive of Burnley. Yeah. So by then I was sort of you know well known as it were, and got to know him just through you know because I know everybody at the club, and we just became really 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 good friends. And now when I go to a game, I get the train to Preston. He picks me up, drive over. 
drives me back after the game. And on one of these journeys, he just said, listen, I've got a, I've started writing a novel. He said, don't laugh, I've started writing a novel. <laughs> so I laughed a lot. <laughs> and he said, would you have a look at it? Yeah. So I'd look at it, and it was the basic story that you read. Yeah. But, you know, it, Paul would accept he's not a writer. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't yeah. know how to actually put it together. Um, but, you know... As you said upstairs, you both read it, and 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 it is a great story. It's a brilliant book. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And and it's a, and and the characters. Are, so he he had this. The characters are so vivid, and they're so you have to, you have to have that knowledge base to know what a seventies yeah, dressing room was like. And presumably they're based on people. Aren't they? A lot of it. They're based on sort of um, an amalgam of different mm. kind of impressions and and stories. And some of the stories are real. Yeah. So there's a story about um, the the because you know just to explain to you those who haven't read it, it's a, we've got this team in the seventies, a fictional team in the first division that are playing real teams. Yeah. Man United, Everton, Leeds, Tottenham, etc. And then alongside it, you've got this team in London, which is an IRA active service unit who are waiting yeah. to take out Merlin Rees, who was then the Northern Ireland secretary. And these two stories kind of intertwine, and then at the end they kind of come together in quite a dramatic way um so that was the story and to, and to be fair to fletch that was the story yeah that he'd written yeah um but he hadn't written it in a way that was a novel yeah you know? yeah so and then we just had such a lot of laughs doing it because you like you know we were you know we're like managers building a team so we're yeah. kind of building the squad right <laughs> So you say, well, what sort of characters? We need three Scots. We need three Scots. We'll put a Scott in goal. Put a Scott in goal? What about a Welshman? You need a Welshman. Where should we put the Welshman? Central midfield, I think. Right, we need a gambler. Where are we going to put the gambler? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to have a womanizer from London yeah. right, who comes up and sort of is a bit of a cockney. So, so we're building these characters. Yeah. And, of course, the main character... And it's really interesting. Fletch thinks the main character is the bus driver. Nah. <laughs> In terms of... So, so, um, for people listening who haven't read the book, that sounds like the worst person you could choose for the main character, the bus driver. But it is, a, but it is yeah, an yeah. important it's part of the story. Role. It's yeah. a key role. And I, of course, I think the main character is the, the manager. The manager, yeah. Um, and then you've got these players kind of orbiting around him and the manager's... Everything's going wrong for him and you've got these egos. And and I think the, it, it, the thing you say about loving that era, so because of the terrorism stuff and the IRA... Yeah. The publisher, our editor said, I think we should probably just run this by a lawyer. Yeah. Just in case. I said, okay, fair enough. So he sends it off to a lawyer. The, you know the only comment the lawyer came back with? What? I think you're going to have to let Johnny Giles and Ron Harris see this. <laughs> if, if they're still alive. Right? <laughs> so why? So, well, they're portrayed in a very violent way. <laughs> so we sent the book to both Ron Harris and Johnny Giles. I don't know if you noticed, but they, they were... Two of the quotes on the cover, because yeah. they basically came back and said, "I love, I love this book." Because <laughs> Ron Harris is portrayed as it, and actually Ron Harris, he, he gets you know, he, remember gets, he, he gets done, yeah. in the end by Killer Kilbride, yeah. uh, who goes over and does him in a in a kind of bit of a ruck. Um, but yeah, and a lot of it was, was and there were well, because the, there's lots of kind of details and events that you presume they must be based on real kind of things that happen, like. But, like the gambling, there's a gambling scam. Yeah, there's scam. a gambling scam, and that was real. And there's a... The younger player getting kind of bullied in the dressing room. Absolutely. Is a kind of right I mean, if you talk to Fletch about that, he says that, you know, the, the, the bully, there's a guy from uh, David Brown, who's this brummy, who, you know, and, and, and Fletch says that that's in his mind when he was, when we said the bully. 
So Fletch and I would sit around talking about some of these characters and then we'd just sort of weave the stories. There's one of my favourites. Fletch used to be a terrible practical joker when he was a player. And the other mm. players, he's driving mad. So there's, I don't even remember there's a story about when they're on an away trip and they, they, they stay in a hotel and they say to the waitress, can you get some carrots? Because we've got a, our, our mascot is outside. It's a, it's a Shetland pony. Yeah. And of course, there isn't a Shetland pony. They, so they, they go out to feed this Shetland pony that doesn't exist. And, and then all the hotel sort of sends all the staff out. We've lost the bird. We've lost the team mascot. <laughs> that was a real story. And the one I was saying about the driver, so the driver, who is this like, kleptomaniac who's yeah. who's booking into hotels and cutting keys and he, next time he goes to that team he'll, he'll burgle the room he was in the last time that was based on a real story but it was a referee back in the 60s oh, so we take in the things like that yeah um, and it's it's just it was just a lot of fun and also it was fun there's a, one of my favorite chapters is the is is playing against leeds yeah, there's a game against Leeds where you know so that we've got our manager Charlie's on this bench and Revy's there and Bremner and Giles are running it and and you know and Leeds just are absolutely battering them and, uh, and I love that <laughs> chapter because it you know and we did I went we went back and looked at some old videos of you know it's so violent the matches yeah the Every, matches everything. are insanely violent yeah. and you go. And then it'll be like a booking or like, yeah. I can't believe... Or not a booking because it's in the first five minutes. Yeah, you can just do anything in the first five minutes. Yeah, I mean, you paint this world really vividly. I wondered, like, where do you see yourself in this world? I, I, I was imagining reading the book, like, thinking you, you almost feel like you wanted to be a part of this. Like, oh, I could for sure. Where would, where do you see yourself in this world? Would you have been the manager? Do you think? Or the one of well, I mean, Fletch takes the Mickey out of me because, uh, as does Sean Dyche, because they sort of, you know, like football people think non-football people don't know about football, but it is a fact. <laughs> That unlike them, I have played with Maradona and Pele. <laughs> that is just a fact, and they cannot get over that. Um, I felt a lot of empathy with the manager. You were in the Napoli team, weren't you, in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, New York Cosmos. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that happens, is this a real story? So there's this thing where basically a woman is hired, or not paid, but kind of through connection, yeah, she yeah. ends up... Sleeping with one of the players, Dd Dd in an attempt to shag basically him shag him out yeah. the night before a game. Yeah. yeah, is that a real thing that happened, or did you? Is that from the mind of Campbell? That's from the mind of both of us. But I, I'd be very surprised if that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's not that different. To, no, no, no. To when fans go and keep a team awake at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it? And players, you know, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of. Testosterone charging around and players get cooped up in. I bet, think back in the day, I'm sure that went on. On that, you must have read other football novels. Uh, I haven't been that many. Well, that Damned United? Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy the Damned United? Yeah. I thought that was. Have you read Steve Bruce's three detective novels? No, I haven't. Are they good? I, I, I know, I'm aware of them. We have, uh, we've gone through them on this podcast, and the, those episodes are much loved by listeners. <laughs> they, are. they are some of the most insane things you've ever ever put to parchment. It's genuinely. It's, it's unbelievable. They're so bad, people didn't think he actually wrote them like it was a joke, ghostwriter, but it's true. It's wonderful. It's... These novels, which got discontinued, right. they now go for like 200 quid each on eBay because people are so desperate to get hold of them. So if, if you I read can... um, Terry Venables. Oh, yeah. What did he do? Hazel? Uh, no, no, he wrote a football novel. He co-wrote it with somebody else. I can't remember what it was called now, but yeah. it wasn't terrible. Yeah. yeah. I still think the best sports novel ever 
was this Sporting Life about rugby league. Oh yeah, and that's I've seen sixty the film. years old now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there are that many good football novels. No, there's not. Like Paul, Paul Fletcher now. and I filled the gap. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Eamon Holmes said on radio the other day, he said, I cannot believe this has not been, somebody hasn't bought the film rights to this. Well, yeah, it does, I think it has a Netflix series in it. Or something. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get on with him. Who do you know? Who do you know? <laughs> um, that's that new thing, isn't it, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to press you know, a button. I'll fancy that. <laughs> um, let's talk football and politics in the 90s. I felt that New Labour was the first kind of polit- political party who really got into football. Yeah, before that, it was just David Meller. Is that, <laughs> is that a fair statement? Uh, I think you've always had. I mean, if you think about, I'm trying to think back. I mean, Harold Wilson was into football, I think. Who Roy Hattersley, Ma- massive uh, Sheffield Wednesday fan. Who did Michael Foot support? Plymouth Argyle. Plymouth Argyle. He was yeah. a big fan. Yeah. In fact, Michael was a very good friend of ours, and one of the great sadnesses was he um, he wanted to go one more time to Plymouth. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, but it was it, you know he was really really getting quite infirm. Yeah. And then it's such a long way yeah. that you've got to stop at all the bloody, you know, the pee and all that stuff. And, yeah. and, and he just didn't in the end because he was desperate to go to another game. Um, no, he was a massive Plymouth fan. Yeah, massive. He was you lot Plymouth. should have a statue from outside the <laughs> We haven't got any players to do statues for. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I think. Did I, you I, see it as New Labour? Because football was a big thing. Obviously, in the 80s, you wouldn't have ever really wanted. Almost, it was a dirty word. Margaret Thatcher was. You know. We had violence. Yeah. You had Heysel, you had Hillsbury, you had Bradford, you had hooliganism. Um it had a very, very bad reputation. But in the nineties you must have thought this is a good thing for our party to be associated with. I don't know, you see. I think I wonder how much of it was. Jonathan Powell, who was Tony's chief of staff, who doesn't isn't into football at all, I think he thinks it was like just because I was so obsessed with football that I kept trying to sort of push this on to to the yeah. thing. There might have been a bit of that, but I think that football was definitely becoming something different. I think the Premier League. When did the Premier League start? Ninety-two. Yeah, so that was that was becoming you know a big thing. <coughs> um, I don't know, Tony, both Tony and Gordon are into football. Well, let's if, settle this Tony Blair into football because there's been a lot of. Oh, they're not the Jackie Milburn story. Well, no, I don't. I, I just want you to clear it up. <laughs> <laughs> Even the guy who wrote it has admitted. I'm not, to, I'm, can I'm we not, clarify for people who don't know? Yeah, the oh, they must know. If they listen to you. you must have talked about this before. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We would never want to peddle myths. <laughs> <laughs> but while you're here, yeah, um, Tony Blair, who's a Newcastle fan, yeah, can I ask a question on Tony Blair being yeah. a Newcastle fan? Uh, have you seen the Queen, the movie? Yeah. He is in it when I think he went wearing he was, a shirt, wearing Newcastle. He shirt does have the a house. Newcastle shirt. I've never seen him. I have, I've seen him wear it once. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him play in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we once played, me and my kids, against him and his kids at Checkers. <laughs> yeah. Was he any good? Yeah, we won. <laughs> <laughs> I did him. I did him. <laughs> um, so, so I've seen him play in a Newcastle shirt. He does have a Newcastle shirt, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so he is a proper Newcastle fan. Well, he supports Newcastle. Yeah. But not, not, like, in, but not, not, not in the way I support yeah, Burnley or you support yeah. Plymouth. And the other thing, I Was think... Was there any discussions... At New Labour about whether, should we, you know, was he asked about it and he just said it or was it ever discussed? No, 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 it's because he was, um, I mean, what, what's the, the thing? So he was born in Scotland. Yeah. Um, had a, you know, lived in Durham. Yeah. Uh, local MP. Yeah. He just became, he was just yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. when team kids get a team yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. And he said this thing about, he mentioned Jackie Milburn in an yeah. interview and... 
the guy wrote it up as saying Tony Blair saw Jackie Milburn. Right? Yeah. And it just, he never said it, but yeah. it became this sort of thing about, you know, he was on the terraces watching Jackie Milburn kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it's such a niche thing to like. Yeah. If it was honestly, a lie, it would just make Honestly, the, 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 that we had to deal with that story hundreds of times. <laughs> but was it, we and got... in the end, we gave up. <laughs> but like, it's like press secretary, like, was it a little bit exciting to be dealing with a football story as opposed <laughs> to the. The latest was no, like, oh, this is. But for me, it was because I love football. But so, like, um, what did we do? Things that we did, and then the other thing that happened was I, because I, I got to know Alex Ferguson on a personal level, mm. and because he was very political, yeah, that became. I mean, Alex Ferguson then wasn't as big as he is now in the kind of national yeah. consciousness, but that was quite a thing. He was quite involved in new labels. Yeah, he was like he came to conferences and he did events, and then we did the thing with Kevin Keegan. So yeah. I want a deep dive on this Kevin Keegan. Deep point. dive. <laughs> it's it's t- unbelievable head tennis. Yeah, but you should, uh, if you have if if you, you you obviously you've got loads of bits of paper there, but you haven't done my research because the full story is told in volume one of the diaries. Well, I've I've got it I've got it in my bag. For yeah. you sign after. And we're gonna, uh, <laughs> flick through it. But um, so it's nineteen ninety five. Tony Blair and Kevin Keegan doing head tennis. Yeah. Um, you're in the back of shot with a ball under your arm. Yeah. I think what looks like a whistle around you. Well, I can't be sure. Right. <laughs> like start, a PE teacher. They start the head tennis and it just flows. Did you know he had that in the locker? Kevin Keegan, he's one, he's one more <laughs> for the year, mate. Yeah, but listen, I knew this is the point. I knew <laughs> that Kevin Keegan had it in the locker. <laughs> the thing is, uh, the meet, the in the morning meeting, and you do think about this with the right, because yeah. when you're doing that thing, you're like, pictures matter. Right. Yeah, so I can't remember what day of the week it was, but it was for, the big speech matters, obviously. That's yeah. really, really important. But you guys can't remember the thing he said that week, can you? No, but no. you can remember he did a head tennis with Kevin Keegan. So the picture becomes part of the kind of so thing. In the morning, you're having a discussion about doing head tennis, or well, we that particular morning, mm. volume one. Suggest yeah. you read it. Do your research. <laughs> Uh, there were lots of the people in our in in my team saying, "Look, this is a bit risky. What if he makes a complete prat of himself?" Right? Yeah. But what I'd worked out was that Kevin Keegan, if if I throw a ball to you now, right, you can head it. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to be a great baller. Kevin Keegan heading a ball is like you or me throwing it. Yeah. So if you look at it, it's the fact that Kevin Keegan is so good that is making <laughs> he's just it retreat, happen. He's keeping it going. He's just putting it straight onto his head every time. <laughs> I love Kevin Keegan. <laughs> I'd love it if he did 27 headers. <laughs> With Keegan, so you've got this... Because Keegan, and I Googled image searched this, did my research earlier, my... I had a memory of an image of Kevin Keegan and Emily Hughes each kissing Margaret Thatcher on the cheek on the right on the steps but Keegan of Keegan was there for something else, wasn't he? He was, he was... I was wondering, so what... I can't was, remember. So how did this uh, photo I can't remember. with Keegan happen? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> And was Keegan a new Labour supporter, or was he just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think he probably was, but I don't know. I think mm. he was just... Uh, he was doing something else down there, and it was just yeah. like, you know, promoting something. And and it was just kind of... I, I honestly can't remember. Yeah. But then we did another one with... Alex Ferguson came to a party conference, and he and Tony were both in goal together, and these kids were sort of... Battering balls at them, and that was that. Be, that was quite a big picture yeah. at the time. And the other thing we did, we opened Tony opened the trains Spurs new training ground. Um, we did a few sort of you know going to matches, and you know people used to say, "Oh, he can't be a proper fan; he never goes to matches." When he became once he became prime minister, it was like such a hassle when he did because of the yeah. security. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so like, he just stopped in a way. But also, both... Newcastle were going for a sticky time after 97. Yeah, we went to that cup final with Bertie Ahern, because he's a big Man United fan. I think <laughs> the one, United win 4-0 or something? Yeah, uh, maybe. Is yeah, it 4-0? Yeah. yeah. It's, um, so, was football talked about much in Downing Street? Do you mean around the place? Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot. A lot. Well, I talk about football all the time. I've got... We had, we had and the other l- brilliant thing about Downing Street at that time, mm. if I think about my own team, so we had... My number two is a Cambridge fan. We had a Tranmere fan. We had a couple of Millwall. Uh, that was the police. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we had a lot of small clubs. Do you think that's because yeah. Labour supports the little man? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just good. I mean, you know, there were some Man United and Chelsea, but it was mainly kind of you know mm. proper teams that people supported. Yeah, and Gordon Brown's team was Rafe Rovers. Is that right? You sell yeah. Them? Although I think Gordon's a bit of a. Bit of a Man United fan. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that just because Tony was a Newcastle fan? They were no, I just you've said some go- things about Gordon over the years. Well, that's, that's the worst one. <laughs> but Gordon really was a Gordon knew a lot about football. And, yeah. Uh, and again, like me, very very interested in Scottish football history. Yeah. Jim Baxter was the greatest player ever lived, according to Gordon. <laughs> I thought I, I didn't think Gordon should have said that Gaza goal was the greatest goal he ever saw. Did he, he say that? He did, yeah. Even though it probably was, but he shouldn't have said that. <laughs> should have picked a Scottish goal. Um, on Euro '96, do yeah. I? I remember reading this, but uh, you might pick me up on not doing my research. Yeah. Uh, was there a dispute between Tony Blair and Gordon Brown over who was going to use the phrase "Labour's coming home" and the party conference speeches? Big time. Big time. So, <laughs> was this 1990, well, just before you came in, presumably? Yeah, and I was the, uh, the it was, I I wrote that. Yeah. Just, well, no, Frank Skinner and David Moore, <laughs> but, 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 but I just thought that'd be a really good riff for a speech. Yeah. Labour's coming home, right? And So, so when I, would this have been, like, just post Euro 96? I guess so, yeah. yeah. And And the thing was that... I don't know if so. So we'd written this speech, and then we suddenly find Gordon's done the same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to describe my eye movement. <laughs> uh, I'm convinced, and I'm, and I'm wondering whether we'd mentioned it to one of his. He had a couple of people around him, Gordon, that weren't the most trustworthy people. Mm. So whether we'd mentioned it. So yeah, it became quite a thing. Um, and did you have to kind of decide who got the? No, line? I didn't decide, but you know was involved in the discussions that went on about what to do. Um, and I think ultimately, look, Gordon, you know, in any conference, like the Chancellor and the Prime Minister, they're the two speeches that really, really matter. Yeah. And both of them really worked hard on those speeches. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you saw recently Philip Hammond's amazing speech at the party conference that everybody's still talking about, not. <laughs> but Gordon really worked on those speeches, yeah. so did Gordon. So it kind of... It matters, you know, they really yeah. felt it mattered. So, but yeah, there was a bit of a dispute. And then you get into Downing Street. Yeah, I'm glad you've skipped the really bad story of 96, but that's because you haven't done your research. <laughs> go on. What's <laughs> what? I'm going to just put it out there. <laughs> what, you're a nice. No, it was the thing, the thing that I got a bit of, well, quite a lot of stick for in my, in my when my first, diaries first came out was that we went, we were at the England Germany game. Oh, right. And John so that's Ma- you and Tony. Yeah, and John Major was sitting in the front row of the Royal Box, and I think Tony was in the second row of the Royal Box, and I was at the back with the coppers. Yeah. And and I was actually sitting next to one of Major's protection guys who was Scottish. Yeah. And we didn't want England to win, really. <laughs> oh, <dear>. oh, come <laughs> oh, <dear>. on! <laughs> so, partly for 
ABA, ABE, anyway, yeah. England reasons, which I don't always have, but I did at that time. But also, John Major was, I think, had convinced himself that if England won the Euro '96, it would give the country such a oh, boost right. that politically. So for that reason as well, I wasn't yeah. that bothered yeah. if they went out. So as <laughs> as we come out, and did Tony? Did anyone subscribe that that might be a, a thing that would happen? A kind of Euro '96 bounce? There the... might have been. People get positive. I mean, I, I don't overstate it, but look, just if you imagine, just go back to 2012, the Olympic, that sense of the Olympic mm. spirit, that would have helped. If there'd been an election just after that, that would have helped. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not overstating it, but it was just one of those things that I didn't want them to have any advantage in anything. So yeah. anyway, as we're uh, afterwards, everybody's mingling and John Major honestly looks like his cat's died uh, and everybody's really, really down. And I'm, me and this Scottish detective, a special match guy, tried to sort of, you know... <laughs> Lighten the mood. Yeah, and Tony just comes over to me and says, do you think you could look a little bit less happy? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so eventually we got into the back of the car and I said... And I, Punched the roof of the car. Says, "I said, jetzt mein Kapitän sind die toys ganz gefucked." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I put that in the diary, and I got a lot of stick for it. <laughs> wow. um, then it comes to France '98 in terms of big tournaments, which Scotland were at. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a memory, but I couldn't find it. I was trying to Google it of a kind of awkward photo call in yeah. which. Gordon Brown and Tony Blair are settling down with a beer to watch one of the France '98 games. Is that is that a is that a real memory of? It is a real memory. That is a real memory. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So what was that? Was that an England game? No, that was a bad idea by Charlie Whedon, who worked for Gordon Brown. Oh really? So what was the idea? (laughs) Get Tony and Gordon watching on telly together. Yeah. I think I was at the gate. I I think I was already. I was at the game. I see. You couldn't stop it happening. No. <laughs> it was fine, but it, as you say, it didn't look authentic, did it? No, no. It just didn't look right. Um, I don't, you know. But I think the trouble, part of the trouble with our apologies is these things get analysed yeah, yeah, to yeah. the kind of end. If you, you know, if you think about how many times you've seen that picture of Noel Gallagher at, yeah, yeah, at Downey yeah. Street, and and it's like. Did we think that would happen? Not really. It could have been, you know, loads of people were at that do. It was a reception for yeah. the arts, right? Ian Wone was there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you should have Wone in this programme. And if you insult him, that's twice now you had to go He had a cultured left foot and he's a great assistant manager. So just stop it. Um, and he's got a lovely daughter called Madison who interviewed me for a dissertation. So there you go. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about those Downing Street of Cool Britannia events. Did you swing an invite to any Burnley players? Or did Chris Waddle get an invite or any other one, anyone else in football? Uh, no, but Steve Cottrell came to a big Labour fundraiser oh, and yeah. he got a picture of him and Gordon together. Have you ever tried to convert a politician, a foreign politician or anyone to Burnley? You must well, have... Yeah, they, they know, they, I do a lot of work in the Balkans and the Eddie Rama, the Albanian Prime Minister, he's become a bit of a... <laughs> He, he, follow, he, he follows every every. He sends me messages every go, Good result. <laughs> Did well today. Uh, you pass that on to Sean. <laughs> I've got a guy in Croatia called Slavin who sends me the identical. I'll show you him on the phone. He sends me an identical good luck message twenty minutes before every game. Uh, yeah, they know. They know about my. I'll tell you, Lionel Jospin, the French Prime Minister, he was big into English football. Wow. Yeah, a lot of them really follow English football quite closely. Yeah. Um, so if you're at the G8 or something, would mm. football be a kind of 
lingua franca a kind oh, of way of I'll tell you one of the best stories again which you would have researched if you read my diaries <laughs> properly <coughs> we, when we were we were hosting the G Tony was the host of the G8 and mm. we were at this big place up in um, in uh, um, Wilton House or something up in the Midlands uh, it, it was it, the, the, the thing you might remember, remember the time when Clinton and Chrétien, the Canadian Prime Minister, they, they went missing. Oh, right. They went for a walk without their security guys. And oh, they, yeah. they went out of the secure zone. Anyway, yeah. that became quite a thing. But it was the day of the cup final. Yeah. And, and uh, Newcastle were in the cup final. Kenny Dalglish. Oh, right. Manager. Yeah. And so I said to Tony, listen, you need to send a... You should, we should send a letter to Kenny, wishing them luck in the cup final. So we're sitting down, we're in this little place and this little side room and Tony's sort of said to send this, send this uh, write this letter, Dear Kenny, good luck to you in the last today, hope it goes well. Da, da, da. I'm really sorry I can't be there, but I'm chairing the G8. Da, da, da. I'm chairing the G8. So says this, says over, at which point the Japanese Prime Minister walks in yeah, and says through his interpreters, what are you doing? And he said, oh, it's the cup final, Newcastle are, <laughs> Newcastle are playing and it's my team and it's the cup final. So, so the Japanese Prime Minister says, oh, I should write to them too as well. So, and I've, almost, I've never asked Kenny Dalglish what he thought we got this letter from the Japanese Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, did he read out to the team that Japanese, <laughs> Japanese Prime Minister wants us to win this game? Got a few good luck messages. Yeah. <laughs> Telling them to play Asprilia up front. Yeah. Well, with, um, with Kenny's accent, I don't think they'd ever understand it anyway. Yeah. So, uh, France 98, Scotland are in it. Do you, when you're, you know, still why, right at the start of New Labour being in government. Yeah. Did you go over to all the games? No, or? I didn't go to them all. I went to one. Who did, who did Scotland play? Scotland, Brazil was Brazil the first game. First yeah, one. and that, they lost one. Yeah. Yeah. And was it 1 0? 2 1. It was, I'm rubbish at football memories. Yeah, no worries. I keep remember. a diary or something. That's one of the reasons I do. And the best thing in my... One of the, my favourite things in the diaries is that the indexer has indexed the Burnley game. I love, I, I love that. Burnley v Sheffield United, 2735. I love that. Um, I wanted to ask you about... you wrote, So you mentioned it earlier, but you wrote a book called uh, Winners and How They Succeed. So what... what could you summarise for us what your research told you about football managers? Is there like a kind of archetypal personality that makes a good football manager? No, I think they're all different. I think they're all different. I think I do think, and it's it's looking at business and sport and politics and entertainment, and I think I think to be really really effective, you have to obviously have leadership qualities, and they can be very different. Uh, I'd say you know something like Gareth Southgate leadership style very different to uh, Mourinho. Or Ferguson or Wenger, I think that so you've got to you've got to be an authentic, uh, have real leadership qualities that suit your personality. I think you've got to be strategic, um, and I think you have to be able to to build a team. And I don't just mean build the football team; I mean build the structure around you that allows you to maximise what you do and what you get them to do. Um, but no, I don't think there's a single thing. I think they're all very very different. Hmm. Um, who are the ones that, like chat doing your research? Who are the ones you thought I really admire this guy the most? Just in football, yeah. Um, Stan Turnant. <laughs> I love Stan. I love Stan. Um, who do I, you'd have to say? Alex Ferguson. I, I really admire Wenger actually, mm. um, and I, and I thought the way he was treated towards the end was was sort of bad. 
there's a wonderful observation he makes in the in the book about he says that we've gone from this a vertical world where leaders could lead mm. and the decisions sort of work their way down to a horizontal world because of the media and social media and everybody thinks their opinion really matters and so these guys now are surrounded by this noise all the time 24 hours a day and he says and, it, and it, if you're not careful he says it creates massive stress and you yeah. can't focus anymore on what it is that you're trying to communicate to the players mm. another really interesting thing he said he said when he's doing those uh, pre-match and after-match interviews and press conferences he says his only audience really is the players and and, and I'll, I so that sort of insight I, yeah. really, I really like that's and, interesting uh, and I think that, um, did you speak to Ferguson a lot about leadership then yeah and when when obviously he was involved with the Labour Party was he were you talking to him about leadership and how that would you know pass from yeah. managing a football team to no just like you know things like i mean i remember that again there's a bit in the diaries where when the tony gordon thing was really kind of bad yeah and um and and remember alex saying why doesn't you just get rid of him if it's that bad if he's as bad as you know why don't you get rid of him and, and I, I was trying to say but it's not like a number two in football who has to then go to another club yeah you can sack a number two, or you can sack a player that's causing you grief, but then they've got to go to another club. Politics, they stay on the pitch. Yeah. So the management kind of goes on. But no, Alex was really good at... Um, at uh, I'll give you an example that, you know, it's simple that you like. I remember, if you look, if you go back to the 1997 election, yeah, the night itself, which sometimes comes up on the BBC Parliament channel, and <laughs> so we were at Tony's house in Sedgefield waiting to be told when it was time to go to the count. Yeah. Just hanging around, and we've had the exit poll, and everybody knows we're going to win. Um, and Tony and, wasn't that confident, though, was he, Tony? I called him Tony Blair. Like, it, I was reading the Andrew Rawnsley book about yeah. New Labour, and he's, to, even Tony Blair was about the only one at the time that still thought something No, we deliberately on. forced ourselves to be pessimistic all the time. All the time. Yeah. Never. I hate that thing when you, when you see now, I saw it at the Labour Party conference, you know, and and please welcome the next Prime Minister, Jeremy Corbyn. We never did that. Yeah. I mean, other people would do it, but I yeah. used to cringe every time you heard the next Prime Minister, Tony Blair, because you just can't take it, don't take it for granted, don't look like you're taking it for granted. Mm. And we used to tell ourselves every day, right, what can we do today that will go wrong and then try and stop it going wrong? <laughs> but would that, would that transfer, would that management philosophy transfer to a football team? Totally. Do you think, if so, if you were a manager, you'd be like, well, we could, we could lose today. We yeah, could. I, well, no, I'll I tell you the one person in the winner's book Floyd Mayweather, he, I asked every person I interviewed for the book, what do you like, what defines you more, I hate losing or I love winning? And most of them were I hate losing, by the way. Yeah. And May, Mayweather was the only one, he said, I never, ever think about losing. He said, why would you do that? And I said, well, because <laughs> most people do. Right. But okay. I think, no, I'll tell you, my thinking on it was partly driven by Prozone. Getting a, I went to a presentation on Prozone when it first came out. I can't remember who asked me to do it. It might have been Burnley, I can't remember. Is that the kind of analytics tracking? Yeah, the where thing they where there's all these mon these sensors monitor and monitors the players, around. Yeah. I mean, now they've got tons of them. Yeah. And my son works in that sports data analysis world. But when Prozone first came out, and I went and saw this presentation on it, it was really interesting. And they were applying at that time mainly to rugby and football. And what it said to me was that the data is as useful for what it's giving you about your own performance as it is about what it's giving about your opponents. So we then used to have, I used to have this weekly meeting 
where we used to sit down, and I used to call it the Prozone meeting, where we say, we, 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 the thing on the agenda was, what would we do to us if our opponents knew everything about us that we know? Now, it's a very defensive mindset, but it yeah. just stops you. So, like, you can see problems coming. Oh, who's dealing with that? Why, did, why, why can't we change that? So I think you can learn loads of stuff like that. Mm. So, with, sorry, we distracted you as well. We, you were at the night of the count. You're at... Yeah, at the night of the count. And um, thank you, well done for getting back on the point <laughs> after my ramble. Um, no, it was me. I... And the, anyway, so I'm, and, and this is all on television. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm through the window being filmed. I didn't realise I was. I'm talking to Tony. My phone goes. I answer the phone, and it's Alex Ferguson. And he says, "Do you realise you've been filmed through the window?" <laughs> so I looked at the window. He says, "Yeah, that one." <laughs> so I go over on the phone and shut the curtains. Yeah. So it's a very simple thing. And then another one he did during that campaign. Uh, no, he phoned me. We were on, well, I was on the bus in Leicester. We we're on this campaign bus in Leicester. Yeah. We just arrived at this Leicester. Tony got off the bus. He was doing a speech, doing a sort of stump thing. And I'm just about to get off the bus. My phone goes, and it was Alex. And he said, um, and he says, "How are you going?" I said, "Oh, God, I'm feeling really, really stressed. To be honest, I'm really feeling it." Uh, I said, he said, why? I said, I'll tell you what's happening. He says, people, I said, people are starting to treat Tony differently. And so I'm getting all the stuff that I normally deal with, but I'm also getting other people have stopped going, who used to go to him, have stopped doing it. Oh, right, yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah. do you think Tony would do this? And before, they'd have asked him. Yeah. Right? And then suddenly he's gone to a different place. And I'm getting all this sort of stress and pressure. And so he, he, and he, and he said this thing, he says, which I've used a lot, and it's one of the reasons I think I've got a reputation sometimes being really rude to people, is that he said, what I sometimes do in those circumstances, I almost imagine like I'm a racehorse and I'm putting blinkers on, and I don't want anybody outside that space. And I just give them a few seconds. If they say, only you can sort this, I, give them the, I decide in a few seconds. And if I think, no, actually somebody else can, I push them off. Yeah, and I do that a lot. I've done that a lot. You got that from Ferguson. Yeah, um, and and he used to say things like, "You've got to get a massage table on that bus." And I said, mm, "Yeah, I'm not sure. I think if the paper's got all of that." David <laughs> <laughs> so, <so> Blair. <laughs> what's um, what's he like as a man? Is he is he a laugh? Is he fun or is he a serious kind? Is he as scary as his reputation? I think he's both of those things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's both of those things. I mean, I think he's look. He's a very, very high-profile figure, and he's is. Uh, so I think there's an element of what you see is what you get. But I think he's a very. I go back to the point I said about Sean Dyche. I think to be at that level, you've got to be very intelligent. Yeah, uh, I think I think Alex Ferguson's got a really acute intelligence. And now, you, as your personal relationship has grown, does he ever ring you and say, "Tell Sean Dyche"? <laughs> well, I think he's got this. a personal relationship with Sean Dyche. Uh which, uh, you know, I think that's the other thing people say about him in the game is that he's always really good with young managers. Yeah. So, Alistair, it's Josh. been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, a few things. Yeah. Number one, would you prefer Burnley to win the Premier League mm -hmm. or Labour to get back in power? Not the current leader, I know that would affect <laughs> your views. <laughs> a Labour to get back in power with a leader of your choice? I think I'd have to go for that. Would you? I think so. What about the Champions League? <laughs> I think the Champions League is a wholly different <laughs> kettle of croissant. <laughs> Brexit so, to stop or Burnley to win the Champions League? Brexit to stop. 
Okay, yeah. we're getting we're getting a scale now. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years of winning the Champions League at Burnley <laughs> yeah. or Brexit to stop. We're going to be out of the Champions League. <laughs> We're going to be out with... You won't be able to travel. No away games. <laughs> there won't be an English club in the Champions League. Um, there is one last question we ask every guest. Yeah. If you could press a button and go back in time to the 1st of January 1990 and do it all over again. 1919? 1990. 1990, sorry. That would be a bit yeah. of a stretch. Yeah. Back to 1990, would you? Starting now, yeah, you'd, I'd give you a button. You go back. You'd be your young self, first of January, nineteen ninety, New Year's Day. And am, am I going to live the life I've now lived? Uh, <laughs> no one's ever, <laughs> one's ever <laughs> chances. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd go. You go back, be in the same situation, knowing that you could do the things you would do to experience carry, it, to experience again. it all again. You wouldn't be trapped in your own consciousness, <laughs> watching it unfold without any influence. <laughs> This is a different kind of podcast now. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to use the lessons you... You wouldn't be, for instance, able to go back and bet on Germany <laughs> no, to be England. So, but would I know yes, you'd where know. my life was going? I, I think you would. I think it, I assumed you would know. And you'd be able to relive moments. But... Yeah, I'd definitely go back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was yeah. your highlight of the 90s? Football or politics? Um, Which did you enjoy more? <sighs> It's hard to answer that. I think the moments of enjoyment, football. Yeah, yeah. Football is the only place where I feel, I'm, when we score a goal, I'm feeling everything that everybody else is feeling and I'm yeah. loving it. Alistair Campbell, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, I enjoyed it. That was Alistair Campbell, Josh. We've met some very charismatic people on it via this podcast. Gary Neville the other week. Alistair Campbell, one of the most, both terrifying and charismatic men I've ever met. Yeah, he rules with a kind of charisma, but he's a big unit, isn't he? (laughs) He's tall. He's tall. Um, Great at set pieces, I imagine. He'd be wonderful at set pieces. I'd definitely, uh, you know, I'd get him to mark the big man. (laughs) I wouldn't have him... The Letitia Beresford markup wouldn't be anywhere near him. Um... I really enjoyed that. That was very interesting. Eh? But he was a lot funnier than you think he's going to be, wasn't he? I know. And the other thing is that football is the people's game. And politicians, there's always a bit of a disconnect from working class and politicians. But somehow, it, New Labour were the first to really bring football and politics together. And it's fascinating to see how much many of them were actually interested in football. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you've just had an interview with him. <laughs> It is fascinating. No one does that anymore. No one really tries to connect to a football do they? Well, I think David Cameron, uh, when he got West Ham and Aston Villa the wrong way around, was kind of the death knell for that. Jeremy Corbyn's a big Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn's... Highbury Islington. Yeah, when, when we had Jeremy Corbyn on the last leg, there's always that awkward moment during the break when... Obviously, there's just dead time, and me and Alex are sat with the guests, and you think, what is Alex, because he's next to them, going to find to talk to them about? It's fine with some, but you think, Alex and Corbyn, but straight in on Arsenal. Lovely. And he, he knows what he's talking about. So really? Give him that, yeah. D- did he have favourite players? What kind of what was the topic of discussion? I don't know. I can't remember the exact topic of discussion. I want to make a joke about left wing, but it's too weak, isn't it? <laughs> what, with Arsenal? Hey. Not under Emery, mate. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> Right, thank you to Alistair Campbell. Uh, Next week we're back with another England international footballer. But before we go, review haiku. (laughs) 
Yes, it's Review Haiku. Every week we ask you to leave your f- reviews on iTunes in the form of a haiku. doesn't need to be five stars, but it helps. We pick our favourites, and if you're selected, you win a Graham Says Hit Les Mug. I've got two for you this week. Firstly, from Sick Note Hero, it's the following. Darren hits the post, my Euro dream up in smoke. Take me back to 96. 96. That's lovely. That's really... Yeah, yeah Really good. Really strong. Um, and secondly, he would not go back. Gary wants a dairy milk. Peroni alone. And that's from uh, a Sanders. <laughs> they're both very good. Any other week, they both win. But I think... I think they're more... I think the Anderson one was more evocative. Yes. I think... I think we're going to go with that one as the winner. Okay, so uh, that one was signed off as Sick Note Hero. Uh, also, the subject line, ah! Um, get in touch, you've won a Graham Says Hitler's mug. Before we go, to decide the song to play out, the quiz. Chris, sing as Michael's away. Very simple. I'm going to set you a quiz question. I've Googled the words 90s football trivia question. You've got to answer it. And then... Uh, I will, uh, if you get it right, you choose the song. If you get it wrong, I choose the song. Lovely. Which of these 90s greats is the only player to play international football in four decades? Ooh. Yari Lippmanen, Roger Miller, David Beckham, or Pat Onstad? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's not Beckham, is it? What do you mean, play football? Play... Play so he'd have had to play in for England. Prof- he'd have had to play for England in the nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, and the upcoming two thousand twenties. Well, it's not Beckham, is it? It's, no. Lipmanham Lit- seems a bit ageless, but I don't think it's him. I'm going to go with the one I haven't heard of, which was the last one. Pat Onstad. Pat Onstad. The answer is Yari Lipmanham. Is it? Good bit of 80s, trivia, that. 90s, blimey. Yeah, I guess 80s, it's like, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Must be. Well, unless he played in the... No, he didn't play in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Yari Lipman. Do you know what? He is a bit ageist. He looks like a Highlander. Also, Finland. I mean, they're going to play him for as long as they can. <laughs> um, so, to play us out, uh, I suppose I should choose something uh, Scandinavian against Yari Lipman. Let's uh, say goodbye with All That She Wants by Ace of Base. Lovely stuff. We'll be back next week with our guest, unbelievably, Stuart Psycho Pierce. The level of guests this series is insane. <laughs> the level of guests is mad. It's going to be a good one. They drop uh, off in the last few episodes. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.